the story of the unjust judge and, and uh, where God fits into this. This, um, oh, the image on the wall, um, which I think relates to what we're talking about, is, is the, it's called Napoleon I. Of course, it's Napoleon Bonaparte, but he got carried away, and uh, as you can see with the outfit, and uh, called himself Napoleon I by this stage. This is the zenith of his, uh, his power. Not long after this is the disastrous campaign in Russia, and then uh, Waterloo uh, and the end of his reign. But um, it, it's a really interesting painting. You, you can't see the whole of the painting, but that's most of it. Um, he's, uh, he's painted as to, to look um, not so much like an ordinary man, but as this sort of uh, controller of everything, the judge of the world, um, which he, he pretty much nearly was. It certainly changed Europe forever. So I thought it was a good painting for today. It's, um, it's a massive painting. It's, it's actually about that size, but it's, it's full length. So if you see the original, it's really huge. There's a bad judge and there's a good judge. So it sounds like the beginning of a joke. Um, but uh, there's a judge who acts grudgingly and there's a judge who acts willingly. If God is the is seen as a judge, then there's a judge who acts slowly and, as Jesus says, there's the judge who acts quickly. Pray always and do not lose heart. That's the beginning of this whole story. We must pray without ceasing, Paul says in a number of places in his letters. And will not God grant justice to his chosen ones who cry to him day and night? Will he not Will he delay long in helping them? Well, yeah, actually. In our experience, surely. I mean, just take, forget Napoleon, just take the long, bloody 20th century. Does God delay long in helping? Yeah. Long, way, way too long. Is it... Something we've done or not done, that we suffer so much pain and loss as individuals and as a culture. How often we read these sort of texts and sort of skip over them in a kind of embarrassed silence because we believe all this stuff, but it doesn't actually happen. It doesn't actually change anything. And how many of us have left the faith in either despair at how long it takes, if ever, to get justice. And how many have abandoned it as just another fairy story? How many of our children and grandchildren? Something that we've continued to, that has continued to shape our lives all along and has no meaning for them whatsoever. And really, how different is God as the just judge from the unjust judge, if we read it this way. The judge, the judge, the unjust judge can act, but he won't until he's forced into it. God can act in this text, but he won't. And not until his chosen cry out to him day and night. At least that's what the text says. It's not much difference really, is there? Justice, who is it? Brennan or someone who said justice... Delayed is justice denied. 
I reckon we should read this completely different. I think we should be reading this not as God as a good judge against the unjust judge, but I reckon God's the widow in this story. Grant me justice against the opponents, the widow says. Calling out for justice is exactly how God operates in the world. The Jews knew this, and we know it too because we read the Hebrew Scriptures, what we sometimes call the Old Testament. All the way through, God sends messengers to speak truth to power, to speak for justice. A widow keeps coming repeatedly, the Greek says. We, we, it's hard to translate that into English. But it's not just a one-off. It's a continual call for justice. Coming and repeatedly calling for justice. Learn to do good, seek justice, rescue the oppressed, defend the orphan, plead for the widow. That's what Isaiah says over and over. Let justice roll down like the waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. That's the prophet Amos. Do justice, love kindness, and walk humbly with God. That's the prophet Micah. That's the way God invokes justice. Like the widow, over and over again coming. And then, as God, God's self in human, in human form, as a human being, in Jesus. You know the parable of the vineyard where there's tenants looking after the vineyard and the owner sends a servant to seek the rent and they beat him up and throw him out. So he sends another one and another one and then finally sends a son and they think they've got it made they kill the son so that they can take over the vineyard. That's how God does justice. By sending someone to talk and to tell the truth and then sending God, God's self. God's response to injustice is not to send fire down from heaven. In fact, there's a comment later in, uh, earlier in, no, later in Luke, in chapter 9, I think, where Jesus uh, uh, confronts some religious leaders who reject him and his disciples said said literally this shall we call down fire from heaven and Jesus says no God's response to injustice is weak and small at least that's how it seems to us it's love and forgiveness how many times do I have to forgive Seven times, seven times, seven times, seven times, seven times. Listen, that's not what we want. We want this all to get fixed up now. Will God delay long in helping them? I tell you, God will quickly grant justice to them. How does that fit if God is the widow, if God is the voice of justice? Well, another way of translating where it says God will quickly grant justice to them, another way of translating the word grant that we translate out of the Greek is to translate it as make ready. So it's that idea that God will make ready his chosen ones, the people of faith, make ready 
them for justice. They're ready for justice. They're hungry for it. They keep on calling for it. This is the justice of the small voice that rises above the drone of empire, which seemed to control literally the whole world in Jesus' time. This is the justice of the grass growing up through the cracks in the cement and slowly and eventually over a long time, longer than your life and mine, breaks down the concrete. It's the justice of the death of one man over against the power of the empire. This is why Paul says in his letters, this is a stumbling block to us Jews because we've always wanted to claim God as a God of fire and brimstone who would change everything, who would vindicate us as the chosen people and finally place us at the top of the world. And this is just utter foolishness. This is nuts to the rest of the world, to us, the Gentiles. It just doesn't make any sense. That is not the way the world works. It works with power. It works with those who rule, who make the rules. But the true nature of the world, if this story is to be believed, and if Jesus is to be believed, and if the whole of the New Testament is to be believed, the whole nature of the world is completely different to that. The architecture of the world, the skeleton of the world is love. It's not the power of the judge. It's not the power of the dictator or the oligarch. As much as much of the world now at the moment seems to hunger for certainty, for someone to come in and make it all right. Starting today, Xi Jinping will uh, preside over the 20th Congress of the Chinese Communist Party. And according to all the information that we have, will seek and be granted another five-year term, unprecedented in the Chinese, com- in, in the Chinese Communist system from the 20th century, unprecedented, and yet here he is. And we've seen it in so many countries, things that we never thought we would see again. Places like Hungary and Turkey, and even weirdly in the United States with the rise of Donald Trump and the insistence. More than 50% of the people I read this week who are running for office in the midterm elections in the United States in the, middle, in the early part of November, more than 50% of them believe Donald Trump still to be President of the United States. All these things that we, we never imagined would happen after the end of the Second World War. Yesterday, there was a, a, a banner put over a bridge in Beijing that said, food, not PCR tests, Reform, not the cultural revolution. We want to be citizens, not slaves. The person who put that up has been arrested and we will, I imagine, not likely ever see the light of day again. But if Jesus is talking about God as the widow, 
then prayer is a cry for justice. When he says keep praying and do not lose heart, it's keep calling out for justice. Keep speaking out the truth of the world, even if it doesn't seem that way. That banner on the bridge in Beijing that was there for such a short period of time and went onto social media in China for such a short period of time, but at least it's gone around the world. That's a prayer. That's what prayer is. It's stating the truth against the obvious. The true nature of the world, the true architecture of the world is love. It requires us to quietly and loudly, whenever it's necessary, to speak out for justice, to speak out for the small and the ordinary and the forgotten. That's why the Uniting Church keeps banging on about refugees and asylum seekers. Because that's what justice is. That's why the Uniting Church has spent so much time anguishing about how it can best negotiate with and relate to First Nations Australians. That's why we changed the 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 preamble of of our constitution to acknowledge the presence of God in this land well before Europeans even knew it existed. Not because we kind of want to be sort of trendy or hip, because this is the architecture of the world, this is the true nature of the world. God is not another judge who we must appease with our prayers or with our actions or with our morality so that maybe, if we're lucky, God will listen to us. God is alongside us, calling out for justice, just as Jesus has been alongside us in the New Testament. And the Spirit is alongside us now. That is who we are. That is how we are. The true nature of the world the architecture of it, the structure of it, the true structure of it, is love. Amen.